0: This is iFanboy Media Explode episode 14. If I could turn back time,
1: if I could find a way, I'd take back those words that hurt you, and you'd stay.
0: Hello, welcome to my fanboy Media Explode, episode 14. My name is Connor Kilpatrick. I'm here with Josh Flanagan. Hello. And Ron Richards. Greetings, gentlemen. And this is the show unlocked by the patrons at patreon.com. It is our monthly show dedicated to non-comics media. You know, obviously, we have our pick of the week show every week over at fanboy.com. But this is the show we talk about our non-comics media enjoyment, what we've been watching and doing and enjoying and seeing and loving since the last time we talked. We're going to get started. There will be spoilers for what we talk about, obviously, so if you're concerned about that, Pause the show and come back. We thank the patrons, obviously, for unlocking the show because we enjoy doing it. So thank you very much. And we're going to start the show, as always, But what we've been watching or enjoying since the last time we talked. And I'll start. It's been a weird last month, but what I got into was Mayor of Easttown on HBO. Oh. Great show.
1: Horrible name. Awful name.
0: This was the latest prestige drama from HBO. And I said, all right, I'll set it to record Kate Winslet cop show, sounds good. But I let it all pile up on my DVR, because Ooh. you know, things happen. And there was one weekend I was like, let's watch this Mayor of Easttown show. And I think it was like four episodes of my DVR. I think as we record this, this is a seven episode miniseries, I believe. As we record this, four have come out, and five will be out by the time you hear this. I think that's the case. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So there was one weekend we watched all four, and Look, you may have seen this period in SNL. You may have seen people talk about it, but it's really terrific. It's a seven-episode miniseries about a murder in a post-industrial small town of, in Pennsylvania. Kate Winslet plays the main detective investigating a murdered girl plus a missing girl plus other things happen throughout the course of the series. And it's really great. As a murder mystery, it's great but it's also equally great as a examination of the many post-industrial northeastern towns that used to be factory towns, they used to be mill towns, they used to be towns that were thriving but now in this new economy aren't doing that well and it's as much about the murders as it is about the people in the town. It's almost like a David Simon show. It's not. I'm not going to put it at that level, but it's in a similar kind of.
1: It's much more subtle, but format. Y- yeah, and also, I, I, it's really, really well made yes. in a way that I don't think is very apparent when you're watching it. But as I've, as I've been moving on, I don't want to be specific because I don't know that I can remember. But the, there are just ways that they structured and formatted things that. Mm-hmm you're caught up, right? Yeah. I'm, I'm going to do this I'm live spoiler. where we are. Yeah. There's a bit where the lady who gets a call who it's, it's a person who has information
0: mm.
1: about her missing daughter and she calls her friend. And the second that she does that, a character crosses the screen completely innocuously. And it's a really subtle tell, which I kind of gave it away from me, but I did love how, like, it was just this little bit where I was like, Oh, they're really like thinking about the little cuts and where things are positioned. Everything that you're looking at feels intentional. Yeah. Uh, especially in retrospect there's a cliffhanger at the end of each episode and i'm sure that if you were from pennsylvania if you were from you know west of philadelphia maybe you would think the accents weren't any good
0: they commit to them though they do Every, commit. everyone's committing exactly to those accents say. yep i mean kate winslet Julianne nicholson Jean smart who is incredible always Jean Smart's de- delightful she's yeah guy pierce Evan Peters, who we last saw as Quicksilver I, in Wanda. I had Vision.
1: no idea that that was him for a while.
0: It's a great cast. It's a small town where everyone knows each other. A lot of people are related to each other. That was part of the joke in the SNL skit. Yeah. Where a girl has gone missing previously, and now a girl has died, and now something else happens throughout the course of the show. And again, the murder propels the story, but it really is a, almost as much about how these towns have fallen into despair. There's nothing else to do. But people who have any kind of talent or skill leave. Who is left behind? And what do they do? They're falling into drugs. They're falling into booze. And, you know, there's a Catholic church that's involved. It's all... That's a really good crime procedural. Like, like, like oh, she's a really good cop. Yeah, she's great. And Kate Winslet, as Ron Wolf has told us, is luminous. She is, yes. but, she's, but oh, they've had
1: she's, to, they've had to dim her way down. But every once in a while, she shows through. You're like, oh right. But she makes you believe that she's not luminous for a little bit. But she can.
0: It's an incredibly good show. Again, it's a seven episode miniseries. Four have come out as we record. This the fifth will be out by the time you hear this. I've been riveted by it. We finally yep. started to watch it. I was like, oh, could we watch another one. Let's watch another one. Let's watch another one mm-hmm. until we got caught up. And it was like, oh man, this is it is show.
1: painful because we watched them each as they can't kind of can't come out. And maybe the first two we didn't. But after that, it gets over, and you're like, oh! And we do it as early as we can because yeah. we we're really excited for it. So you got to wait the whole seven days, and it's uh, it's great.
0: We've talked about HBO in the past on this show, between Perry Mason, going back to Boardwalk Empire, and you know, yeah. r- rewinding the clock all the way back to Oz at the beginning. HBO still is the gold standard. Yeah, and Harvey's yeah, yeah, Town yeah. is still another. It deserves to be in that pantheon of great shows. Now
1: I don't remember who the showrunner is, but I do know that like it wasn't a particularly prestigious resume.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You know what I mean? It wasn't like somebody came in, like, sure. oh, this person on this show and that show.
0: It's Craig Zobel. I think he's directed all the episodes.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But it's just like, it reminds me of um the other Craig, the guy who did Chernobyl.
0: So Brad you know. Inglesby has written every episode, and Craig Zobel has directed every episode. Right.
1: But either way, you know, when, when Chernobyl came, you know, that guy had a track record. He'd written yeah. Hangover or something like that. But then he comes with this other thing that's like, wow, I didn't know you could do this. And I think this is a little like that yeah. in terms of the showrunners. yeah,
0: They do a great job of capturing like what is life like in this town for young women. What is it like mm-hmm. for middle-aged dudes? What's it like for the church? Like, they, they investigate all next. of these things. Bully girls. And it's horrible for everybody. You know, Mm -hmm. life is not good for anyone in this town. And these are towns all over the country of the United States, especially in the Northeast, where, where much of the industry was 100 years ago.
1: This town does not feel all that different from the place where I grew up. Right. It was very, like the kids in the woods. You know, kids party in the
0: woods. There's the bar all the adults go to. There's the church they tend to. It's not metropolitan at all. It's not
1: necessarily rural, but nobody's in any cities here. And the smart kids
0: just are desperate to get out of it. Yeah. It feels very authentic and real and important for the times. Aside from the murder mystery, which is entirely compelling. Mm -hmm. And Kate Winslet is one of our great actors. And I've been loving it. I don't know why I waited so long to watch it, but I did. And Guy appears in the girlfriend role, unless it changes in the next three episodes, which is great. He hasn't had shit to do. I was like, yeah. something's going to happen with this guy. <laughs> I hope he's not the murderer. And Evan Peters, again, who played Quicksilver in the X movies and showed up in WandaVision, a, is great on the show. What a
1: 180.
0: As her partner is terrific. Yeah. It's a great show. It's a really, if you have missed out on Mayor of Easttown, check it out. It's, it's a wonderful murder mystery show.
2: It's recently came up in a conversation just yesterday, in fact, where someone was recommending it to me very strongly, as strongly as you are. So I might have to add it to the you list.
0: Don't play the drinking I'm... game where you drink every time someone says mayor. Okay. Because you'll die.
1: All right. I'd like to point out, if you go back three weeks or so in the chat, I said this show is very good.
0: You did. Oh, yeah. No, I remember you said that. Yeah. And Gene so. Smart, who was in Watchmen, obviously going back all the way to Designing so Women, good. is incredibly good on the show, too. She's yeah, great. she's
1: she's getting to be one of those people when she shows up and stuff. You go, oh, this is probably good.
0: I just <laughs> want to hang out, drinking manhattans, doing puzzles, and make smart because I, really, alec I just want to hide hide ice cream, <laughs> well, <and then> <laughs> hide ice cream, drink manhattans, do puzzles, watch television, make smart alec comments. She digs into the freezer and pulls out, like, frozen vegetables.
1: And then she pulls her, like, pint of ice cream out of it, some Haagen-Dazs. And then just as she's about to tuck into it because there's nobody home, somebody knocks on the door and is having this big problem. And you just look at her face the whole time. The only thing she is thinking is, please leave. (laughs) I want this ice cream. And I was like, I hear you, Gene. I hear
0: you. That's my show for the month. Miriam Town, HBO, incredible.
1: I'm going to go with two things. One's very quick. I just watched Do the Right Thing for the first time in a very long time. And I've been meaning to like, it's like, I don't watch that again for something kicked me in. And, and I, I watched it. I haven't in a bit. And I was like, this is one of the great American movies, which yes. I kind of knew, but sure, it was yeah. so depressing and disappointing at the end that it, it could have come out yesterday.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: The way that that worked, but even, like through the whole thing is this snapshot of a part of New York city that isn't too, typically part of the sort of romantic story of New York city. And, it's one of those things, like, it's beautiful. It is a beautiful movie. I mean, I remember always liking it and thinking it was interesting. But now that I came back to it with with more of a wider perspective on the world or whatever, it's just amazing. And for such a young filmmaker to put something together like that.
0: Spike Lee is an incredibly good director, and this is his best film. Yes. It's his best film. I remember watching it in high mm, yeah. school and really liking it, but then watching it again in college, uh-huh. really being blown away by it, then watching it again as more of an adult. Watching again You keep now. coming to, as, as you sort of age... Uh-huh. It was just on TV the other day, and I watched probably about half an hour of it just because mm-hmm. I had time, and was just sort of dipping into it. Yeah, it's incredible. The, the cast it's, is great in that film. Yeah, I did not know
1: that the younger brother Tino was also the guy who took Cameron's father's car in Ferris Bueller's Day Off.
0: Oh, the, right, the attendant. Right, right. right. How about right. that? Yeah.
2: Right.
1: <laughs> Amazing cast. You know, yeah. like you know, I've known who Aussie Davis is, but like watching him now in this movie. Like, if you haven't seen it in 10 years, you know, like take the time. And, and I actually have this old criterion collection DVD, but it still looked great. Like it's mm-hmm. just, it's just beautiful. And, the, and so moving on from there and, and somewhat related is that I got ESPN plus for free. Basically it's part of my phone deal. I get Disney, Hulu and ESPN plus. And every once in a while I remember it's there and I go and I watch 30 for thirties. So I watched Michael Rappaport's film, on the seventies Knicks mm-hmm. when the garden was Eden, came out in sure. twenty fourteen and it's the story about that team which is Walt Frazier and Phil Jackson and Bill Bradley.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: You know, and this whole team and the story about the only time the Knicks were ever any
0: good. I mean, they were good in the nineties. They went to the finals, they went to the playoffs every year. They were good. Yeah, in the but 90s. they never
1: quite they never quite won. This was they'd won, I think, one, maybe two championships. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. I think. And just this lineup of people was just absurd. And and all the personalities have interesting stories. Willis Reed's story, you know, he was, I think it was him, he was in the National Guard. And so he's outside of the protesters in 1968, you know, with a gun pointed mm-hmm. down there, you know, and, and instead, but he's also this six foot 10 famous black person. But that meant a very different thing back then. And the horrible shit that these guys had to go through but this really – look up Dave DeBuscher.
0: Yeah, Dave DeBuscher,
1: sure. Crazy. Yeah. Story. But it was so riveting. And like like uh, and Walt Fraser. Like, and they're all – I'm guessing this would be a little different now because they're a little older. But at that point, they are all 100% able to tell their stories. And it just looks so much fun. And it was so cool. And, and I had a ton of fun with it. And then after that, I was like, I want more of that. Because people may know – I love sports documentaries, mm-hmm. and I like how they reflect and I love the context of it in the past. And the, so I, then I started watching. I did a Celtics Lakers one. It's three parter. I'm halfway through it, but, oh, but classic,
2: have, classic rivalry there. Right,
1: but but in the yeah. documentary, it's told in first person. So they say we when they're talking about our team, and they have Ice Cube do the Lakers, and they have Donnie Wahlberg do the Celtics. Nice. <laughs> it's like so we went back to the Garden, and it was going to be wicked good, and <laughs> it's just and it's so fun. It's so much fun that I was watching it last night, and I believe, by the way, that Magic Johnson was the most fun player to watch, and sure. he's delightful. Even more so than Jordan, who was... I mean, we can, he was a prick. Jordan was amazing to watch, and the, the best player, whatever. But my wife could not care less. <laughs> and she came in, and she got hooked at 11.30 at night, you know, when she was on her way up to bed. She got hooked for 30 minutes watching this story about the finals in 83. And it's that good. You know what I mean? It, it's just... The sort of the, the the stories and the way that step back then things were still a little rickety. Like they had to play the finals in the Boston Garden, and it was 105 degrees in there because there was no air conditioning, and it killed the Lakers. And I just thought these are the best stories. You know, all that stuff is great. I'm gonna find every NBA documentary that I haven't seen on there, and make sure I go through all of them because they make me happy.
2: I'm very excited for the upcoming 30 for 30 about the 86 Mets. Um, I'll watch that. Uh, that'll be that'll story. be that'll be worth your time. Didn't That's not they for sure. do?
1: Didn't they do a Buckner one?
2: They did, uh, they probably have done a Buckner one, but this one is specifically. But I think and what they did was they they got the team together. Now I think it's a look back kind of thing. So, uh. but um, but the '86 Mets were much more than just the Buckner game. They, yeah, they were know, crazy, I, yeah, crazy, yeah. crazy yeah. team. Connor knows, there's a yeah. Doc
1: yeah. and Daryl um, yeah. documentary too that I was going. Oh, yeah,
2: I that, well, I watched that one. That one is very good. And and you know where they filmed that because part of part of the key part of that documentary is that they have them. Get together to meet and chat about stuff and stuff like that because they've because Doc and Daryl have had like numerous like falling outs and yeah. re- reconciliations and things like that and they they got him at a moment of but reconciliation. Didn't, didn't
0: um, uh, jo- uh Judd Judd Win- Went? No, third one. Judd Hirsch. Judd? Her- no, not Judd Hirsch. Not Judd Whedon, Not Judd. Jet Apatow. Jed Apatow would make a film. He made Judge a documentary about it.
2: Yeah, yeah, that was the, that, this is the movie. Apatow. Apatow made a documentary, yeah. But, um, oh. but so oh. where they have them meet for the reconciliation is the Goodfellas diner yeah. in Maspeth. I saw that one, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Hey,
1: uh, and real quick, I, I, don't, I don't mean to. I was listening to the Death at the Wing podcast, which is about NBA deaths through the 60s, 70s, and 80s, and it is fascinating. If you like anything I just said, it's hosted and executive produced by Adam McKay for some Mm -hmm. reason Uh, amazing podcast i've been very much enjoying it anyway
0: but I'm very looking forward to the '86 documentary. I'm very yeah, excited it should be it. fun. Yeah, yeah. So on my side, um,
2: just in, in terms of watching stuff, I, well, I, we should probably mention it, but we'll probably do a deeper dive when the season's done. But Mythic Quest season two is yes. started up on Apple yes. TV Plus, and so three episodes in on that, so it's still early. Me and my wife watched the Netflix documentary series "This Is a Robbery: The World's Biggest Art Heist" about mm-hmm. the uh, the Gardner Museum robbery in 1990. That 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 amused us for four episodes. That was pretty good. Great accents in that one. But and I was gonna talk the more criminals about criminals by the end oh my god yeah I'm fascinated by these Netflix documentaries that they like, they clearly have a doc unit that spin up these four episode things and like they don't solve anything there's no answer no. You know? like it's, it's just
0: fascinating it's kind like, of I'm frustrating like,
2: yeah it's a little frustrating because it's just I like because a lot of it gets kind of redundant after a while but um, I
1: think knowing it now going in like at the beginning like like oh they don't they don't know, yeah.
2: so yeah, yeah, it's fine. The main thing I want to talk about, and then I have another thing I want to talk about, but the WeWork documentary on Hulu. Oh. I would strongly recommend just if you're fascinated in Schadenfreud schadenfreude torture porn business stories. <laughs> you know, it's about the rise and fall of WeWork, the co-working space with a just bananas uh, co-founder and CEO and how they went from being a 40 plus billion dollar unicorn startup to nearly going bankrupt and pulling back their IPO and ousting the CEO and all that sort of stuff it was really well done It was really fascinating and it was like you know as of having worked in tech and and in a lot of the space I was saying my wife I was like I think part of the reason why I, I was unsuccessful in making millions of dollars is because <laughs> people like this guy I just went in the opposite direction you're like, not that a guy's crazy, crazy person yeah, yeah. yeah.
1: <laughs> um, is this like the do you ever do you remember the Cosmo one K-O-Z-M-O Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So that was yeah. a great
0: documentary too. My first job out of college was the PA at a station in New York, and we had the Cosmo founder on our show, and it was that company.
1: And I know that it was completely. They were amazing when I was in LA oh, sure. at, the, at the early 2000s. So I was like, this New is York, the greatest thing.
0: New York too.
2: It was a, that and Urban Fetch. It was like, yeah. The, the, I had a. I had I one of their, had the. dot com boom. It was. Like, yeah. I had one of their boxes.
1: I had one of their yeah. drop boxes. After they went out of business, I went and I stole it from a parking
2: garage in Burbank.
1: And in it was a copy of The Replacements, the Gene Hackman, Keanu Reeves movie. Oh,
2: that was a good movie. So the WeWork documentary is 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 definitely worth the two hours just to see the kind of bananas. But I will say, I could um, get into that right now. I think that would be that would be pretty good right now. Yeah, I think you'll enjoy. It. It'll be fun. It'll be fun. To you guys should watch it. We can talk about it. But it's never. I've already heard people be like it's like the Firefest fest of startup companies. It's like all right, enough with the Firefest. fest. Like, but no, it, that's it, that's it, not it, even. I mean, that's interesting. But it's not one of the good ones. Yeah, exactly. But it definitely was a shit show, and it's definitely worth watching just if you're into business and all that sort of stuff in terms of how this stuff happens and and also just like the layers of bullshit that the venture world and like startups and stuff like yep. that is based on yep. and just like, yeah. And just, and, and which I can personally vouch for just the amount of bullshit that goes out in the world and people with money and uh, just drives me crazy sometimes. But in the past 24 hours, what I do want to uh, mention and what's kind of consumed my media enjoyment. Unfortunately, he's got, got some bad news yesterday that the lead singer of one of my favorite bands, a band called world Inferno friendship society passed away. Uh, he went by the name of Jack Terry cloth. Um, his real name was Pete vent Antonio. I think he's from Asbury, Park uh, no Bridgewater New Jersey but yeah in terms of legendary punk showman he was one of the best and so like over the past 24 hours I've been listening to a lot of his music as well as watching videos of the band play and just like seeing just like the outpouring on Twitter like Jeff Rosenstock and Damien Abraham and Laura Jane Grace and you know and just other people just like you know Craig Finn from the Hold Steady just you know kind of praising the guy's work and as somebody who probably you've never heard of but did a amazing blend of punk and like cabaret like performance just sounds and like,
1: exactly like your kind of thing.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, it really, it really just, and, and he was just, he, and I, I, I interviewed him when I did my zine in, in like 98 or 99. And he was always so nice to me. He was, he was in a punk band called sticks and stones, uh, sticks and stones who I saw with the bouncing souls, like in 1993 or 94, like one of my first punk shows ever dude was just super, super, super talented, amazing lyricist, amazing writer, every song, was a mix of, like, poetic storytelling and, like, social commentary and a little bit of, you know, middle finger fuck you kind of punk attitude, but, like, done with, like... Klezmers and like, and like, <laughs> and, and, and like this amazing cabaret behind them. They were just so, so good. So, if you're curious, if you want to see just a real, like, real talent who's gone far, far too soon, who's 50, gone, you know, sooner than he should have been, check out the World Inferno Friendship Society. They've got a bunch of records. They're just so great. So, uh, there's a whole bunch of videos on YouTube. You can check them out. You can see what I'm talking about. But the dude was like, I remember I saw them when I lived in San Francisco at the rickshaw stop. And it was like one of those like when you when you're really into live music, like you get like there are these nights that are just like sweaty and and full of energy. And you just walk out wide awake and just like and like he was able to engage the crowd in a way and like get everybody involved in the show in a way that is just unforgettable. So uh, gone too soon. So celebrate his legacy. Go watch some of the videos on YouTube of them or listen to some of the records. I strongly recommend it. They're just so
0: great. All right, so we like to have a main topic, and Tenet, the big Christopher Nolan film, hit HBO Max this past month, and we had all been looking forward to it in various ways before the pandemic. We thought, well, this is a good chance to really visit it, because only Josh had watched it prior to I rented that. it. Josh had rented it when it was on VOD. So we thought, let's watch it, let's talk about it, let's review it. We're all Christopher Nolan fans in some degree or another. This is a major release that... Got caught up in the maelstrom of oh. the pandemic. Nolan wanted it to be only in theaters. That didn't work out. It came out in VOD, but it was really kind of too early for it to make an impact.
2: It led to the the major falling out between Nolan and and Warner's, and you know his yeah. his epic his epic quote is is I, I went right. to bed being a director at one of the greatest movie studios in history, to waking up to, to to having a release on the worst streaming service. Right.
0: So <laughs> it hit recently. We thought well, this is a good chance to talk about it, watch it, and. So we have, and we're going to talk about it and watch it. Spoilers, it is
1: few, not the worst streaming service.
0: <laughs> what is the worst streaming service? I mean, there's a lot.
1: It's I
2: hard. know just that go, I just have. A, I got, the worst streaming service, and uh, I mean, it was
1: what's the one that just the, the one that tanked? The bet Quibi. Quibi. Oh Quibi. Yeah, Quibi's that was the worst. worst. <laughs> I mean, like it's not
0: there anymore, but that's the worst one. So, Tenet came out in 2020, written, and directed by Christopher Nolan, starring John David Washington. And Robert Pattinson and Michael Caine and the usual suspects in a Nolan film. I'm very curious. So, Josh, when did you watch it? Is Peacock the worst? It's free. I don't know. There's so many that I don't know about
1: or deal with. I mean, to somebody, it's their favorite.
0: Josh, Um, when did you watch it?
1: I don't know. I didn't get it when it came out, like, when it was the $20, $25 rental. I waited until it was, like, you know $6. Mm So I'm going to guess in the summer. Right. Or fall. I don't know for sure.
0: And Ron, you and I both watched it. I I watched it last night,
2: and then I watched the last thirty minutes uh, (laughs) uh, three hours ago because my wife bailed out two hours into the movie, and she wanted to watch the rest of it. It's a very long movie, by the way, one hundred and fifty minutes.
0: Yeah, yeah. I love a Christopher Nolan film. To me, it's an event because he's trying. There's only a handful of filmmakers out there who are really sort of trying to push the envelope, and yep. Nolan may not always succeed. Push the envelope while also having a budget. I'm sure there's plenty right. of people doing it. With yeah, a, yeah, with yeah, a, for yeah, yeah. Sure. Well, but I mean, a, at a studio, also, at, a, at a Warner Brothers, at a Sony, or whoever, like Tarantino or whoever.
2: And also in this landscape of films and and media and and entertainment that we have, it is a rare thing when there is a wholly unique written. Yep. for the movie kind of yes. movie right and the, and this There's was written on film yeah written and directed by Nolan conce- you know a, a story can see the nolan it's not based on a 70s sitcom or a remake of a 1940s movie or right. anything it's, original. it's like this this is something that nolan has been working on for years because he had the idea and it, and finally came like and so like that you know like we talked a couple of years ago we talked about knives out being like that kind of thing where yep. like a you know here is a artistic vision of a filmmaker and and like honestly, there's not enough of these uh, in you know. It's in like theaters, Nolan and you know? Tarantino.
0: Yeah, like that's really yeah, kind yeah. of it. Yeah. My initial thought is I was really kind of bummed I didn't see it in a theater because yeah. I feel like the immersive experience of the theater would have changed it.
2: Well, there's nothing like the Nolan Inception in the <laughs> right. in the Batesy Theater kind of right. thing, right. and like, and I was like, my thought, you know. 20 minutes into this was like oh man I wish I could have saw this in the theater because yes. the it, it, it would have felt way more immersive and way more kind of you know it's easy to sort of
0: get distracted at home you know you can talk right. you can look at things up you No, know, so this this is what I do when we watch this stuff I what, what
2: I'm now doing is that I put my phone in the kitchen mm-hmm. and I lower the the dimmable light you know whatever in the living room and I would dim the light to like movie theater and, and, and like I'm just watching the movie like right. I don't I don't even hold the remote I put the remote away and like it is in the movie and like don't even pause for bath or anything like that. Try to give it 100% attention. Yeah.
1: I would say that with this one specifically, I was going for that.
2: Yeah. Were uh, you successful?
1: Yeah. I think we even made it all the way through. But it was, you know, it was a, it was a bear uh, in terms of – here's how I describe the movie. And I, I, we're going to talk about spoilers, and I don't want to yep. get ahead of it. But, like, it is a it. movie that requires massive attention. For two hours and twenty minutes, where you have no idea what the fuck is going on. Yep, <laughs> you have no idea what is going on in that movie until the very end. And I think it is worth it at that point.
2: I will say that there was a moment in the last twenty minutes of the movie that I felt like I was like, "Oh, Aw, that's awesome!" Like it, it, it yes, like it, it, it looped around and got you, and like, and because and the the whole thing, like, what's really what's what's interesting about this film, and I love. I, I it's it's funny because I I love time travel films like I love that as a as a concept. This is not a time travel film. although well, there's a little bit of time travel. It's a time manipulation film. Right, yep. which is a whole nother layer yeah, of not looking at it, problem. right? And like, and it's funny because I put off watching this until last night because we're going to talk about it here, and I'm so pissed at myself for not watching it the day it became available to watch it because, like, this is the kind of movie I would have been in the theater the weekend it opened for, and like, sure. and it totally, it totally delivered on that, on that feeling.
0: In our other lives as comic book people, we talk about comics every day, and I think Nolan is the Grant Morrison of film. Yeah in that he takes big swings. And they don't always yeah. connect, but you got to respect the swing. Yeah. You know, he shoots on film. It's almost all practical effects. He doesn't almost, yeah. does no green screen or CGI. It's all original. He doesn't care if you understand what's going on. He will tell his story and he will take that big swing. And it may not work. And it's all personal. Like, I didn't love Interstellar. Josh loves Interstellar. But it was a big swing and I respect it. Uh-huh. And I don't love Inception. And I love obsession. So, like, yeah. Yeah. But you can't deny that when a Nolan film comes out, it's a big deal because it's going to be something different. I don't think there's a single Nolan
2: film I dislike. Like, I think Uh, I like all of Nolan's movies. Have you seen Dark
0: Knight Rises?
2: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, yeah. I mean, I kind of put that aside. (laughs) The Batman movies. But if you think about, like, uh, no, but Dunkirk. I mean, like,
0: it's, like Prestige, him, pre- Interstellar, prestige.
2: prestige, Inception, Memento,
0: Memento is amazing. He's at least trying to do something interesting and new. Insomnia, I yeah.
2: I've never seen that. Dunkirk. one.
0: Dunkirk. Dunkirk was. Dunkirk great. is incredible.
1: Yeah,
0: Dunkirk was my favorite movie that year. Yeah, it might be his best film. So Dunkirk. Dunkirk, yeah, for sure. Mm, it's I, the most.
1: Okay, we're not we're not putting Batman in there, but it's I think it's the most.
0: Including of those. Those films. are his films.
1: Yeah, I know, but what I know with what I was saying, I'm, like if we're talking about accessibility, like Dunkirk is a sort of story; it's rooted in something. The other ones you've got to, you know, Interstellar, Tenet, Inception. Like you have to think about Insomnia, Memento. I have yeah. seen Insomnia. I was thinking of following. I've never seen following.
0: This may be a discussion for the end, but I, I was thinking about it last night about how I'd rank his films. Ooh, I might put Dunkirk at the top. But anyway. So it, it's even hard to describe what the film's about. You know, John David Washington is the protagonist. He doesn't have a name. He is a recruiter to this group. I think it's called Tenet? Yeah, yes. oh, You're
1: saying it backwards. Yeah. It's actually Tenet.
0: Tenet. Tenet. It, is involved in time manipulation and time travel and keeping things, keeping well, the world correct. Robert Pattinson ends up being his, like, partner. What we find out is that they're trying to avoid World War Three. Because the
2: future is at war with the past. Which is such an amazing concept. It's such such a great idea.
0: You know, Kenneth Branagh plays a Russian oligarch who has this algorithm that when enacted will undo all of time. And there's a bit about the f- people in the future going back in the past because the future is so terrible. It, it is very confusing for a long time. John David Washington and Robert Pattinson are trying to keep Kenneth Branagh from enacting this algorithm. That's the main thrust of the story. I mean look, I'd heard the criticism. Clearly someone needs to talk to Nolan about his fetish of putting his actors behind masks that make you unable to understand what they're saying. It's <laughs> happened in this movie, it happened in Dunkirk, it happened in the Dark Knight Rises. He was born in the dark. <laughs> I got I rented I got
1: a disc from a red box. I got a Blu-ray from a Red Box in January. That's when I saw this. Because it was before it was on streaming. You could get like you rent the disc. So that's how I did that. Which that's how you watch this? Yeah, I watched it on Blu-ray, which means that, which I liked. I thought for this kind of movie, I was like, well, I might as well make it as high-res as possible. And there was bits in it where, because um, there's parts that would have been IMAX, and so it appeared like it was in almost like 4.3 on my TV, and I was like, what the hell is going on here? <laughs> <laughs> and then it
0: sort of popped back. I mean, to me, story aside, I was really impressed by the visuals. Yeah. The whole idea of this film is tenet, backwards and forwards. You can travel backwards in time, but you don't, zap there you have to actually live time backwards so the movie inverts on itself several times and things go backwards and forwards and i was super impressed with the construction of the movie
2: yeah that's the whole base of it that's why i said it's not a time travel movie it's more time manipulation movie is that kenneth brana receives from someone in the future the technology they call them turnstiles to allow you to Reversed, basically, it's all about reversing entropy, right? right. So, so instead of you know, like, the, and the, you get introduced to this with this, with it, with what they call an inverted bullet, where it's a bullet sitting on the the uh, the table, and you put on a lead line go- glove, and the bullet jumps into your hand right almost like oh in reverse but it has to be because you drop the bullet like you have to eliminate linear thinking and that that topic comes up a lot in the film as well as everyone else tries to wrap their head around it um it, you know i was digging into it after seeing the meeting and, and i've seen the meeting after seeing the movie connor did did you look into the the Seder square inf- uh, influence
0: yes i did yeah. So
2: yeah, so there's a there's a Sator it's called the Sator square and it's a two dimensional word word square that's got five Latin words that are palindromes yes. Yes. and and tenant is the middle one and basically the way they're laid out is you read the words backwards and forwards it, it kind of works in all different directions and stuff like that. Google it look it up on Wikipedia you can see it yep. but like all the ca- character names are and and a location in in the movie are all come from the Seder Square which is was found in France and you know in years you know it's very very old and that sort of thing so like there's a there's such an amazing kind of lineage or some, you know, kind of connection to this that he's, you know, seeing this thing that's been, you know, like they said, the earliest Seder Square was found in the ruins of Pompeii, right, which is they go to Pompeii in the movie, like it's like there's so many things that are connected to this, like it's so deep and it's so um, layered Uh, And it just shows that how much time he put into crafting the story, like such a, such a vision is great. And, and like I said, there, you know, when you play with time like that, there are moments in the beginning of the film that pay off at the end of the film. And like one of the concepts that they, that, that they keep bringing up that ultimately becomes the last final act of the movie, which is what they call, which is a, what was it? A temporal pincer movement where you had two army groups, one moving forward in time and one moving in reverse in time. And they, you know, they're kind of running a maneuver as they crisscross each other. And as you see that happen and as the movie finishes, you realize the entire movie is that. Yeah. And just the way that he was able to... Because that's a very difficult... And, and it's a very difficult concept to get across. And it didn't click like Josh, like you said. It doesn't click until the end. And the way he uses visual language in the film to make it click... I think is so elegant and so amazing. In that last final act of the film, there are two army units. And like I said, one is moving forward, one is moving in reverse. The the team that's moving forward has got red flags on their shoulders and Mm -hmm. the team that's moving in reverse have got blue flags on their shoulders. And that's when I realized that throughout the film, Past us, he uses red for forward momentum and blue for backward momentum throughout in lighting, in like Mm -hmm. throughout the whole film. And then I went, oh, oh my god, that scene. Okay, now I get it, and it all clicked. And like, that's not easy to do.
1: It's so meticulous that, and I have been thinking about this since then. So I watched it in January, and I'm I've been thinking about it. You know, like it's one of those things that really sticks with you and i remember as the you know and you have to have that conversation after the movie's over and ron you may not have time for this because you had to rush through it but yeah you you go oh okay wait notice so that this and then all the things that you thought didn't make sense yep it did and it was i mean it was, it was meticulously crafted I, i'm yeah. sure there are people out there who you know the top 10 plot holes in, but i don't care it's like it does none of that really matters like it worked and it, it's deeply impressive in that way
0: that's where i finish with the film and it's hard because yep i'm very impressed by the construction of it i don't know if it's a successful film
1: it's all of those things are so impressive but that's it there's not much personality yes. there's not much the protagonist as it is. we don't know who he is why we should care about him i mean right. john david washington is extremely charismatic and he's you know he's good looking to watch but he's got very little to work with from a character standpoint and so it's very clinical
0: yeah and And there there, there are segments that i really love There's set pieces i love the opening set piece where they rescuing all those people which is based on a real life event i love the middle set piece with the uh, car chase that happens in reverse i love the end set piece Mm -hmm. with the armies i love the michael cain scene i love scenes of this film yep but Taken as a whole, I don't know that it is a successful story. I don't know that it's a successful film. I can't imagine ever going back and rewatching it.
1: Yeah, no, I think I think you're right. Like it was a lot of work, and and you'd only be watching it to sort of put those connections together. I think, but it's interesting that I think the thing with Inception was is that I got lost in all that stuff, and I didn't really care about many of the characters. I've got it here, and I've tried to rewatch it a couple times, and I want to give it another chance, but. At the same time, the thing that I love about Interstellar, other than the fact that I love all that stuff about Interstellar, is that the the real focus on that is that those characters are fully realized. You know, like you understand it's like literally the movie is about love being the fifth dimension, which is a little goofy, but you always have that to hang on. You have this, you know, love of a father and his daughter towards each other and how it spans space and time. And that Really works. I, I think uh, that's the glue that you need for a movie like that, and that, that's yeah. why I watched that movie dozens of times over.
2: I will say one of my criticisms of Tenet is that the weak point of the protagonist, or whatever, or or, or what makes him a hero, or whatever, is, off is
1: Neil Stevenson.
2: Yeah, is this is this connection with Kenneth Branagh's wife mm-hmm. and protecting her above all costs and all this oh, sort other of of stuff? Other than her which, being
0: like pretty, I don't understand why he was so exactly
2: exactly so attached
0: to her. Yeah, yeah. I
1: did like. I think that the one place that that worked though is that you find out, and I keep wanting to call him Jude Law because this would have been his role at some point. Yep. Pattinson and him. At least at some point, you go,
0: oh, they had a great chemistry. I, I like the two of them. Yes, they, they did. They were the best I, and part and it of paid the off. film. Yes. I
2: will say, like Pattinson being in the film for whatever reason, you carry the Twilight. Like, like, I feel bad for the guy because I'm like, oh, Pat, but like he was quite so good. I, I don't think about Twilight
0: at all. I've never seen it. I think about Harry Potter, and he's done a lot of great indie work. He's in Harry Potter. He's Cedric Diggory. I don't know what that means. I love them together. And then at the end of the film where he's going off to his fate, and he says, we got up to some stuff. I was like, oh man, I want to see that stuff. Yeah. Yeah. Cause they were really great together. That was my favorite Better part of the film. Yeah. yeah. I'm, what I'm saying is yeah. they were a great relationship. The two of them.
2: Absolutely. Well, and, and so, so going into it, Pattinson and spoilers, Connor gave the spoiler warning, yeah. but like the opening scene
0: in the opera, Great the mystery scene. person was
2: Pattinson, right? Yeah, I assume so. Yeah, that's what I thought. Yeah. yeah.
0: Okay. I mean, it, look, there was a gr- lot of great moments where you're like, oh, man, that's what happened? You know, like he, he was fighting himself or like that was cool. But like I was wondering how much of it was satisfaction of construction versus satisfaction of storytelling. Most of it. It's tough because I respect the difficulty it takes to pull this movie off the writing of it the directing of it the acting of it well it's interesting
1: it. cuz the question is like what do you want from a movie but at the end of the day you want to, a good story so yeah no i i think you're right but i think that there's something to be said i think there's there's music like this where it's math rock or whatever it is like it's all about the construction you may not it's rush that's you yeah. know like that's what i think of as rush and there's people who really get into that and that's the thing that it is but i don't know if it's enough for me and I don't know if we're talking about like what you think of as a as a Hollywood movie as a thing. Does not make you feel anything other than satisfaction of a math problem solved?
0: I don't regret watching it. Absolutely no. not. But like I said, am I ever going to go back and watch Tenet? No. Mm-hmm.
2: Oh, I'm I not. could see this. I could I could definitely see this getting. I mean, I, whether or not I will, because you guys know we've discussed my penchant to not go back and rewatch things. Mm-hmm. But I could see this the kind of thing where where someone with more time on their hands <laughs> going back for multiple viewings to try to piece it together uncover more earlier like with more like having the knowledge of seeing it once i imagine the second or third time would be even more enhanced because you pick up other stuff i could see it paying dividends in that regard but But
1: it'd be some nerd shit and it probably wouldn't it wouldn't be because you're going back to get a feeling right right. which is why i rewatch a movie most of the time right it's a puzzle
2: yeah, it's a, yeah, exactly, exactly. I will say, though, but my, my barometer with a lot of this stuff is my wife, who who just who doesn't want to watch anything new. Like, she's like, eh, like, I got like, to talk her into it. And, like, I was like, well, I've got to watch this thing for the show. And stick like, all right, fine, I'll watch it with you. And, like, when we paused at the two-hour mark for her to go to sleep, she's like, this is very good. I haven't seen a movie this good in a very long time and, like, was completely enraptured and engaged. So like someone who's not as analytical as we are coming into it completely blind got complete. And like we talked about it all day today until we until she got to finish watching it. You know, like it it was. Yeah, it worked. But the audacity
0: of it is respectable. I totally respect Nolan's vehemence as a filmmaker. He wants to shoot on film. He wants to film in theater. He wants to be able to control the sound. He wants to be able to tell the story. He's not going to do a thing unless it's a Bond film based on something else or Batman. Um, This is basically his Bond film. I totally respect it and love him for that, but I don't know if it it results in this particular instance in a very emotionally satisfying experience as much as an an intellectual experience. But but I found myself going, I love this guy. I'm watching this. I'm going, I love this guy. He's shooting a crazy car chase in practical. It's all practical. He's like, I love him for it, but you know, Dunkirk was his last film before that was in the stellar before those dark side rises. For me, it's been, it's been a rough road, you know,
2: I don't see anyone challenging film as a storytelling device the way Nolan is. If you go yes. back to Dunkirk, with, with Dunkirk with how Dunkirk played with, you know, you had three parallel stories happening on different time frames, right? One, one happening over many, many hours, one happening over minutes, and one in between the two, yeah. right? That, like that, like no one is. No one's playing with the form. No like one does he is. that. No even one's even
0: Tarantino that. is not playing with the form at, like Nolan is playing yeah. with the form. I would, yeah. I mean, somebody who knows more
1: about film will do a better job at this than me. But it makes me think of Orson Welles. Yeah, sure. Yeah. It's that kind of thing where Orson Welles said, no, I'm doing it this way.
2: Right.
1: And he didn't let anybody get away with it. And, and you know, he had the clout to do that. And I, again, I'm sure there's probably international people, but I can't think of another American director like that who got to that height. Mm-hmm. You know who who is able to do that, and and then and, and also sustain. I mean, you could even you could say, you know, Coppola had a shot at that, but then I don't know, the, Apocalypse now destroyed him. Who knows? I mean, but when something comes out, you mu- even if you don't like it, when you don't love it, there's going to be something there that's going to blow your, your eyeballs out, right. one way or another. and I think that's laudable.
0: There's nothing but laudable here. I've yeah. seen bad, boring movies. I'm not saying Tenants a bad movie, but and it's certainly not a boring movie. At the least, at the very, you may not liked it. It may be slow in parts, but it'll make you think. It'll make you try to puzzle over it. I, as someone who really loves film, it, it makes me respect the filmmaker. I like, I, I respect the big swing. You know, it's not a, yeah. it's not a middle of the road film. He took a big swing. Did he hit? For me, he didn't necessarily hit hit the ball out of the park, but he he tried. I mean, this is this is at least a triple, right? Well, I don't. I, it's, it's hard to say. I don't know. But it's a
1: it's it might be. But it, you're comparing it to everybody else, and you can't.
0: No, you can't. No. So it, you're putting no, it on
1: I'm on scale. I'm
2: comparing it to him. Yeah,
1: yeah. I think it depends on how you feel about it. I'm I'm great with Connor, but I can see the opposite. Like I can totally understand why people would think this was just wonderful and not missing the thing that I think Connor and I both think it's missing.
0: A little bit of humanity, but I, I, I do yep. just yeah, exactly. feel bummed that it, I didn't see it in a theater. Like, There's a very small handful of filmmakers who I'm like, no matter what they put out, I'm going to go see it opening weekend. This would have been that case of it had yeah. we not been living in this crazy world we've been living in. I would have been there Friday night, opening night for Tenant, and it would have been an interesting experience. In a giant theater with crazy sound, I don't know what... Yeah, what his particular mechanics would have done, how I would have differently seen this movie than on my TV, which is a good TV. It's a four k TV. Yeah. I've got surround sound. I've got giant speakers, but it's not you can't replicate you that can't replicate he, yeah
2: it. he's somebody he's somebody you got to see it in the theater. I mean I
0: think about Dunkirk and the sound design in Dunkirk yep. and how yep. that really affected me in the theater at the time and how it made it so stressful like that would have I been replicated having the to
1: really work to find time to go see dunkirk in the theater but right. i was like and and it had like gotten it dragged on a little while and i was like i have to see this movie before it is not in the theater yep. because even
0: interstellar it, which josh loves and i don't still uh, seen it's it in a the theater. theater i saw it, i saw it? i saw it in the dome you know the well. biggest fucking theater in in the city you got to respect the respect. It. What
1: do you not love about? I mean, I am like I haven't have seen it
0: since it. in a long time. I, I saw it in the theater and then once after the theater, but it's not the same like thing. It. It's like, it's a, like 10. It's almost to me, it's too clinical. Like I didn't, really? I, I didn't respond to any of their emotional aspects of it, but that it's near the oh. there. I don't wanna get into it. I just really respect him as a filmmaker who's like, I'm going to try really crazy, interesting things. And I have the clout because quite frankly, of my Batman trilogy, and also <laughs> Inception, which made a huge fucking ton of money, and also crazily, Dunkirk made a huge ton of money, to try these things. And there's not many filmmakers, there's maybe a handful, there's less, less than five who yeah. could do that. And I love it. I love it. But it's hard to talk about this film because it's bizarre. It's a bizarre film, you know? We need to talk about Aaron Johnson. Oh, man, I didn't know that was him. Oh, yeah, no, yeah. I went back. I was like, because I was like, who's playing that? Aaron like, Taylor-Johnson, oh, nice. who was the star of Kick-Ass. Yeah. Uh, plays the p- pivotal John roles of Ives. I think Kenneth Branagh is a great bad guy. Yeah, he was good. Again, I love the Michael Caine scene. Michael Caine, I don't even know how old he is, but he still throws the fastball when he needs to. And it, it just makes you feel like... You have no grounding because you never know which direction time is going in this film. And that's a good thing because you're just like, what is – wait, which direction are they going? Like what's – and then it's almost like John David Washington's reaction to all of this is what you're having is is trying to figure this out. John David Washington, who was the son of Denzel Washington, if you don't know, who was the star of Ballers that Josh and I watched for years. Black Klansman. I feel really badly for him because this was sort of his coming out film, right? He was going to be the star of a big summer Nolan film and it didn't end up happening. He's going to be fine. I think his
1: career is going to rebound. I think he'll get the next thing from it. Um, Yeah.
0: You guys know that those buildings in airports are real? Freeports? Yeah, they're real. Oh, really? Yeah, they really exist. That sequence was terrific with a heist in the freeport where they had to worry about not being able to breathe. And there was incredible set pieces that I will still be thinking about. The opening sequence, of the freeport heist, the ending battle, the chase on the freeway where they go backwards and forwards. Incredible. And the fact that they did them practically, that they shot them that way, yep. is amazing. Nolan is a madman, and I love every minute of it.
2: Yeah, I, I think it's great. I mean, I'd, I'd rather I'd rather see a bad Nolan film than have, than you know like like at least he's try at least he's doing original things and trying yep. and fucking with you basically. That's what a that's what it boils down to. Like this movie was a mind fucking and like, and it it forces you to think in a different way to understand, and it's done in a way where like you're confused and you don't understand what's happening, but yep. you still are drawn into it, yep. and it pays off.
0: So the question is, did you? Like it, Ron? Yeah, I love it. He seemed to really, yeah. Ron really he loved to
2: it.
1: Be the most up on it. Josh? I really liked it a lot. I was more impressed by it than I was in love with it.
0: Yeah, I mean, I have a hard time answering the question, even my own question. It's like, I, I liked watching it. I don't know if I liked it as a film, but I liked the experience. I, I won't watch it again. Yeah, I won't. I don't think I will. I mean, I,
1: I'm like maybe a decade from now, I, I, but no. I mean, I don't see that happening.
0: So here's a really quick question Here are the films that the major films, not the shorts and everything that Nolan has directed, okay? Tenet, Dunkirk, Interstellar, The Dark Knight Rises, Inception, The Dark Knight, The Prestige, Batman Begins, Insomnia, Memento, Following, okay? Of those, what are your top three Nolan films? Top three? Top three. Can you give the list again? You'll Tenet, so Dunkirk, okay. Interstellar, The Dark Knight Rises, Inception, the Dark Knight, The Prestige, Batman Begins, Insomnia, Momento, Following. I've seen all those, but following. I would, I'm putting all the
2: Batman movies aside.
0: Okay, well, you can or can't. It's up to you. Yeah, and no,
2: I'm just choosing to. Yeah, sure, you know, sure. They're their up own to. thing, you know, yeah. like that sort of thing. I probably would go Prestige. Number one? No, no, three to one, three to one. Okay. Three, two, one. 2 1 Prestige Memento Inception Josh
1: I'm going up So I'm 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 very between Prestige and The Dark Knight Mhm So I'm going to say Dark Knight mm-hmm. Dunkirk and Interstellar
0: And I'll say number 1 I think I think number 1 right now is Dunkirk then The Dark Knight then Inception but I'm just always excited when he has a new film coming out. Yeah. I just always am.
2: Yeah. I mean, he's he's a true, I mean, I hate to say it, but he's a, he's a true auteur. You know, like yeah. he is like, he, he is one of this generation's best directors, if you ask me.
0: Period. For sure. Yeah. I don't think you have to
1: hate to say it.
2: No. I think it's yeah. a pretty There's, straightforward.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> he has his desires and his drives and he what he believes in. And he doesn't give up on it. And I respect that. Yeah. So that's our main topic. We have an email I want to get to real quickly. We have a little bit of time left. It'll be a short question. Patrick K. from North Carolina writes in and says, I've been wondering, do you prefer for the streaming services to drop the whole series at once, like Netflix with the Marvel series? Or do you like releasing an episode at a time like Disney Plus did with The Mandalorian and others? I've been thinking about this since the beginning when the Invincible series started. So we've talked about this a, b- a bunch. but I mean, uh, And I think we're all on the same page.
2: Yeah, I am a, a strong advocate for the weekly release. Absolutely,
1: I think for most, like for a prestige thing, for a thing that you love, for for garbage junk that you're just filling time with or whatever, like. Uh, so, for example, you know those Disney Plus shows, that's at uh, weeklies the way to go They're for the Apple yeah. TV shows. No, no, I'm not talking about that. I mean, but like, like those documentaries on Netflix where you just sort of sure. watch through them, the four part yes. ones, those can all come out at once. I don't care. Not, not garbage, but just, you know, like... No, I,
0: I think no, you're yeah, right. Energy, I think F, F, yes, 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 yeah. yes, yes. I mean, the things you want to get involved with, you, I want them to be weekly. I want the week to talk about it, to think about it, to talk, you know, to engage in it.
1: Right. And to build that anticipation. I mean, that's the thing about, like, right now, it was like this with this is the HBO shows. The Perry Mason with, with Mayor of Town U. Right. You could say, is it Sunday? You know, like like you have a thing to look forward to. And I don't know how much that has to do with the fact that we grew up when we did. So this wasn't a thing, you know, like you had to wait for the things. But I think we all understand the difference of if you get everything all at once, it doesn't have as much meaning. You know, you've eaten everything. There's nothing left. You know, you're not enjoying it and you forget about it more quickly because there's always the next thing that's coming. You have to take your time with these. You know, all the best things in life are like that.
0: You love Friday because it's like, oh. There's either a new WandaVision or there's a new Falcon and the Winter Soldier or there's a new the water cooler Or there's back. a new Mythic yeah. Quest yeah. or there's a new Ted Lasso. Mm-hmm. I'd rather look forward to that than binge them all as much as I love those shows.
1: It's yeah. a reintroduction of the water cooler. I have yeah. co-workers, and Friday's the day that, you know, or you know, Monday or whatever. And because you, you can't do that when eight episodes of something comes out at right. one time. It's over. Can't watch yeah. all of it at once. Yeah. No, because what happens is we all get mixed it's like. A, it's hard, like, it's with, like, a novel. Like, you guys will read what it. What episode like, are you on? Like, I'm you on know?
0: four, you're on five, I'm on seven, uh, let's no. talk about it. Yeah, otherwise we can, we can all be on the same page. Yeah. Yes, and that makes it
1: so much more... That You know, this is the thing that I hadn't really thought of, but, you know, that means that we can all be having the same conversation at the same time,
0: mm-hmm.
1: which isn't possible when we've all got to find eight hours to do something. Right. And so it, it's bringing back that... Because people don't watch broadcast TV... I do. In the same way that you st- – I know that. You are an outlier. But at least in our time, so those aren't the shows nobody's talking about. I literally couldn't tell you an NBC TV show. Uh, the Good Girls. The Young Rock. Uh, I know, but
0: – and again, uh, I, way, I, I had several people say. tell me that from the last episode who found The Young Rock and watched it and loved it.
1: Right, but you don't have a group of people who every time a new episode comes out, you talk no, to them.
0: No, the world has changed. This is right. not – you know, 20 years ago in the office on Monday yeah. talking about the Sunday night show in, uh, from HBO. It's not, oh, that's it's not it. ER on Friday yeah. or whatever it is. Mad Men on Monday morning. It doesn't right. Happen and
1: so this has brought that part of it back. And I think that there's real value in that that we forgot about. It's funny because a lot of us discovered like Battlestar Galactica on DVD. And so we binged it to catch up. But by the time that last season came out, you know, every week, it was like, wow. Right. They're in the fracking ship. Like, right. and that was part of it. That's part of that experience. That experience does not exist if it, you drop ten hours in it. One, one
0: doesn't. And there's a million shows. We're all busy. Yep. I just love that so many of the streaming services have adopted this. You remember, like Hulu with eleven twenty two sixty three. I think was the first
1: time where. I mean, it maybe was happening before that, but it was the first of the streaming shows that we were all like, "Hey, we're we're watching them weekly," and so every you know whatever it day it came great. out, yeah, yeah, it, it
2: felt was like so much fun, team. yeah, yeah. yeah. And it, <laughs> was,
0: it
1: was good. Yeah, that's and that. The, the only other time that happens was HBO shows, so Game of Thrones was like that, or or right. you know, The Sopranos or or whatever. But the streamers weren't doing it, and now they they went, "Oh, there's there's value in it."
0: It is interesting because these guys aren't operating on anything other than cold blooded business tactics, so there must be some sort of well, I, I think you're
1: more doing. likely to watch an episode. So, say the Mandalorian comes out. Right. I think you're more likely to watch Mandalorian episode two or three times in a given week as you wait for the next one, than you would be if you watched all of them at once, and maybe watch but all. Never talk about once it again. At one
0: point. Well, if you think yeah. back to the show that really, sort I think changed the conversation, it was the Jinx documentary, that was about Robert Durst, the murder show. Okay. Yep. Yep. And that was a documentary that built and built and built as the show went on. Like it's, It came on, not a ton of people watched it.
1: I remember that. It was on HBO.
0: Yeah. It was on HBO. And every week as it came out, buzz built around it and ratings went up to the yeah. point by the end of it, a lot of people were watching it. And it became a thing that the final episode ended up being a major piece in this guy's murder trial. But if you drop all those Jinx episodes at one time... Not a lot of people are talking about it, but it, it was allowed to build. It was allowed to build you could week make to week an to week, week to week.
1: That, that first serial podcast, that first season of those, is the same kind of thing. Like they let that be a thing. You know, it's almost like the streamers took a lot of stuff from TV and then were like, binging is the thing. And then they had to relearn.
0: Right. You know, what they took was they took the DVD, right? They yeah. took that in the early 2000s. People were catching up on shows they missed via DVD. I did it with The Sopranos. I did it with The Shield Mm -hmm. that I hadn't got on originally and I got the discs and I caught up on them. And that was the model they took was, well, these guys want to watch them all at once. And there's certainly people who want to watch everything at once and that's fine. But I think they came back around to, no, there's a cultural value to once a week. And not just a cultural value, but a business value. This will grow the audience. The audience will grow organically as they hear people talking about it. You know, when it was binging, Hollywood publicists would complain, how do I book... My clients, because the show comes out and then no one talks about it after Saturday, mm-hmm. right? But you know, there's a value to growing week to week. Did you guys hear about the show? I heard about the show. Well, well, is it coming? It's on Friday, so okay, I'll watch. I'll catch up and watch it. Like that's a thing that doesn't happen if every show comes out. It just doesn't happen. Yeah, but Netflix sticks yeah. to it. That's fine. They, they're the, they're the gorilla in the room and they get to do what they want. But I think there's a benefit too. It's the, it's the
1: one that I, I don't go to like I I use it much less than I used to. Yeah. It's just too much. It's just, oh, it's overwhelming.
0: But like, but like said at the very beginning of this conversation, I show like, uh, the art was the art heist. What's the name of that art heist show? This is a robbery. This is a robbery. I'll, Fine, I'll watch four or five yeah. episodes. Yeah, yeah, it's, that's Josh's.
2: It doesn't matter, right. you know. Like it, it matters, but it doesn't matter. I mean, like the yeah, I, exactly.
1: And for you know archival content or whatever, like I'll find a British sitcom that I really right. like and you buzz through it. That's awesome.
0: But like you Ted Lasso, like, I want to watch one episode a week. I'm going to get yeah. excited for yep. the next episode. Mythic Quest yep. right Mythic Quest, out right exactly. now. Yep. One episode 100%. a week. Excited for Friday. Oh, it's Friday. Mythic Quest. Like that's yeah. you know it's like my reward for getting through the week. That's the yep. thing. so that's yeah. thanks for the question. Contact at iFanboy.com. That's so you can write in and ask us a question about if you want us to answer on the show. We love doing the emails, so send them in. Yeah, I love it. We appreciate everyone who comes in, especially the patrons at patreon.comslash fanboy. who are the ones who unlocked this show, that the reason why the show exists. And we thank you. If you want to support our various shows, our pick of the week show, our talk explodes, and books explodes, and special editions, and media explodes, that all happens at patreon.com fanboy And we thank everyone who does that. Ron has this all about Android show which has somehow been going on for 10 years. I know, it's a decade.
2: I also oh, have, have a, a show. Yeah. I also, if you, if you haven't checked it out, if you guys have seen me tweeting about it or talking about it, but I also have a mobile app for those of you who like to play pinball. Check out Scorebit, available on the Apple App Store, as well as the Google Play Store for Android, where you can keep track of your pinball scores. Me and my friends built up the app, and we built up a cool bit of hardware that goes in pinball machines to connect your pinball machines to the internet. It's a lot of fun. Go to scorebit.io to check it out. Uh, I'm proud
0: of it. Number one, how are your scores comparing to other people? Two, you want to sponsor an episode.
1: I was, <laughs> yeah. I was you I, you know what that was my joke. I, I liked my reading of it better, but you, you got there. If you wanna yeah, but if you want to talk to our, our ad team, yeah, we have sure, people to yeah. talk I'll, about
2: I'll, on the main show. I'll follow show. up. Yeah, that'd be great. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Bob and Ad Sales will talk to you. <laughs> so thanks for listening. We appreciate it. We'll be back next month with another media explode, and until then, I'm Connor.
2: I'm Ron.
1: And I'm Josh, which is not spelled the same back backwards as forward, just turn
2: back so. To-